This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Casual Podcast. Make sure you guys go to the newly designed website and sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. You're going to have access to a bunch of turnkeys, a bunch of private money lending, and other deals that come through the pipeline. So go to the website, scroll down a little bit, put your email address in. There's a short form and then there's a long form. The long form allows me to figure out what you guys want and to be able to categorize things and not send you emails every single time. Today's going to be a pretty short podcast. I just want to record some thoughts I've been having because of a recent eviction I had. You know, like they say, if you talk it out, it'll help you uh, get over it. And today's podcast is not really to discourage anybody from buying rental properties or turnkeys or single family homes in general. I just wanted to show people that, hey, I have a lot of problems with my rentals. And at the end of the day, I'm still making money. I'm still cash flowing. I mean, that's why you underwrite these properties for the proper maintenance, repairs, the property management to take care of all this stuff, and then some more money into the capital expenditures to put away for a rainy day. So when one of these things do happen, yeah, it kind of sucks because it's a big chunk of money coming out of your personal bank account in a way. But it's something that goes back into the property and it bolsters your investment. So something that happened earlier this year on my Birmingham properties, my pipes collapsed because uh, in a lot of these properties built from the 1950s to the 1970s. And again, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm an engineer, but I don't really know too much about house construction. I've never done it and I don't claim to know how to do it and that's why I just get contractors or people who know who can advise me but I guess during this era they use the terracotta pipes which uh, is just kind of like clay ceramic leading up to the houses and what I do know from my uh, my engineering background is in a lot of cities what you'll have is the roots growing from the trees growing under where they're not supposed to and finding these water sources, which uh, these terracotta pipes are the perfect avenue to get extra water. And, you know, these days in cities, there's planned trees. There's only a certain kind of tree that they can plant and they have different fertilizer mixes to encourage the roots to stay in one place and not to go all over. But this is more of a late 2000s thing among cities and in some cities, you know, they'll probably never uh, create some kind of pre-engineering spec for this. So what's been happening is the roots have been growing into my pipes and it's been getting in there, kind of growing up near the house and then the pipes burst. So the remedial action is to go in there with a backhoe or to dig them out and to replace them with the modern PVC plastic pipe. And that should solve the problem. Hopefully, you may be chasing the problem all the way to the street. And that's uh, that's where things can get a little bit expensive. We found roots in the line about 10 feet from the house and about 6 feet from the curb in this instance. And in this case, we used the backhoe to end up crushing the pipe where the roots were. And they just extracted it out. And I think it turned out to be about a $15,000, $2,000 repair. So kind of a bummer, you know, there's something that like that home warranty some people get, which I don't really am a fan of, you know, this won't really fix it because it's right outside the structure of your home. Again, those home warranties and even in insurance, you know, they're always trying to not to pay out on these things. Going down my list here, you know, I've been having some city ordinance problems with some rubbish in the yard. And a lot of these are warnings or small $50 fines, how I 
go about this. I just, I, I work on property management and say, Hey, man, what's the plan here? What's, um, you know, what did you do to communicate to this tenant and keep them accountable? And sometimes that alone will just fix a problem. Sometimes these property management companies, they just get too busy or it's not a big deal for them at the moment. Somebody else, their house could be flooding. We talk a lot about syndications on this podcast, and most of the time, these offers are only for those with an accredited status per the rules of the SEC. Now sponsoring the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast is the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, empowering investors to fund the purchase of distressed mortgages. The AHP fund aims to keep people in their homes by investing in notes. It's an opportunity to earn returns while feeling good about making positive social impact. You can start investing with as little $100. You can learn more at investinahp.com. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. If you guys need access to a vendor list, hit me up. I want to get people who have properties in Birmingham, Atlanta, Memphis, Kansas City, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and Chicago, and maybe a few others. But I don't really want freeloaders in these kinds of groups. I want people who actually have rentals in them. You know, people are actually helping each other out. What vendors are they using? Which property managers are they using? When are the property managers getting lazy and when should everybody migrate to a different provider? Those are the kind of answers that we'd like to get in these groups. So shoot me an email, let me know what where your properties are currently at. You know, it seemed like last year I was having a lot of HVAC problems. I mentioned a previous blog post that I had three HVACs go out at once and that was a $5,000 repair for each HVAC. That was a over a $10,000 bill that I had to swallow in the middle of the summertime. Uh, none of that this year, but um, definitely did have my share of evictions. I think last year I had one, but already I've had two. First one, tenants been kind of going in and out, in and out all the time. Um, I've been too nice of a guy and always trying to ask what the story is and try and get a payment plan. We scheduled eviction. And I think that's a big important thing is just to schedule that thing and get that timestamp going. Because once you start that timestamp, 30, 60 days in the future, when you finally go in front of the judge, they're just going to care what date you started this process. And it's going to backdate and it's way from that date. I always just start the process as soon as you can, even though you have a good feeling or verbal agreement or even written agreement that tenant's going to come through because, you know, their mom's going to come give them some money or they're, they found a new job and that First paycheck is just taking a while. Even though that there's some good excuse there, I would just always start the paperwork early. So what ended up happening, we had to go to the court process because they didn't pay. Like how they said they were. They just went through the process. And again, I, I, I always try and be the nice guy. And, and this time things actually worked out for everybody. They paid a couple months rent. And I guess we're caught up now. But I, I'm going to work with my property management to increase the security deposit. Just because this has happened a couple of times late last year. And again, now this behavior can't go on. As much as I always like to work my property managers and get the smaller property management companies because they seem to know these people personally. And that's uh, one of the components of doing this real estate investing that you can be a responsible landlord and treat people fairly and give them good housing, which is not always what they get from other landlords. The straw that broke the camel's back was this following voicemail. And here's the recording. And when you get one of these things, it's never a fun thing 
together and kind of ruins her day. Hey, Lane, it's all county. Need to talk to you. Um, we The eviction is complete, 553 Candlewood, but uh, some, some pretty bad news on the condition of the property. Um, I'm going to send you the report. We sent ProServe out there. That's the company that that redid the uh, turnover for Columbia. Um, it's pretty disgusting for the condition of the home. I'm going to email it to you, and then when you want to talk about it, let me know, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye. So basically, this tenant just skipped town, left this property a mess. Getting the backstory, I called the seller, the people who had the tenant prior, and they mentioned that this tenant strangely wouldn't want them to come into the property, and I guess now is the reason why. Yeah, they just left all this stuff in the house and lawn. If you want pictures, go to simplepassivecashflow.com and look this podcast up. I'll have it in the show notes. Pretty disgusting. They actually had to be physically removed from the premise. Uh, so we went through the eviction process like we should have. You know, I, I told them, hey, let's just get that going. Property management worked with the legal team, which is usually contracted out. The fees were $268 for the attorney to, to do this, so pretty minimal. But then you have the eviction services where the uh, third party comes out with, I don't know if they come out with guns, but definitely uh, big thugs come out. And that costed $1,300 for them to come out. So a total of $1,578 for the cost encouraged just with the eviction. Then the house was left in disarray. And there's a company out there in Atlanta that does a lot of these total war zone of a cleanup. You know, when there's a big murder or meth lab, they go in with breathing masks and nuclear war suits. And they, they're really good at what they do. And they quoted me a total of $6,300. The security deposit covered a fraction of that. So I'm out of pocket about five grand for this one, which really, really sucks. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's funny. I visit the Holocaust Museum that day and it really doesn't matter <laughs> at the end of the day, $5,000. And I know, you know, a lot of these things happened last year. And when I did my webinar report on it, which some of you guys watched, I still made about how much money I thought I was going to make on paper, even with these big swings. Again, last year, I think I lost money on three of the 10 rentals. So uh, I know these things happen and it sucks when it does because it comes out of your personal account, but it's just part of the game and that's why you do it. You know, you got to take a little bit of risk to get reward. So I don't know how this is all going to pan out, but that's what I've been dealing with this last few weeks and we'll see how the rest of the year pans out. A lot of my coaching clients will get into the numbers with me and ask, okay, what's the cash to cash return? You know, to get that, you've got to take all these big swings into account. And I can simplify it. I'm like, you know, don't worry about the numbers per se, 8% or 11%, because you have a tenant move out, which happens, you're going to have a small chance of it happening. And it's just a crapshoot at the end to just underwrite your numbers conservatively, knowing that these things will happen. And this is kind of the reason why I don't really care for single family too much to scale. I still think you should get a few single family home rentals. Don't get me wrong there because it's a prerequisite to everything else. But the multifamily is just a little bit more predictable in terms of tenant move out. And you don't have these 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, or even 10,000 
move out charges because that tenant can't really screw things up inside of that four by four box, uh, like they can a house. Single family home tenant seems to have a little bit more of an entitlement mentality. They feel like they own this property, whereas the mindset of an apartment tenant, they definitely feel like they're living in somebody else's property amongst other people. So just some thoughts there. If you guys like these, let me know. Please help me out. Go to iTunes, review the show. It really helps me grow the show and and share with others. All right. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.